We're going to turn to the book of Joshua again. It wasn't my intention to go back to Joshua and to Judges, not at least as quick as this. But um, last Sunday morning in the service, it was as if the Lord just dropped word into my spirit. Uh, and uh, so I wrote that word down. And then as I began to prepare for uh, this morning, my attention was taken to this chapter in Joshua, Joshua 21. And I'll read from verse 43 to verse 45. Joshua, 40, uh, Joshua 21, 43 to 45. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Now when we read those verses, you would have thought that the children of Israel would have been faithful in every way. And the text is that 45th verse not one word, not a single word, not one iota, jot or tittle, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. And we sang this morning, what a faithful God have I. And at this point, there is absolutely no way that the children of Israel should have looked anywhere else. Because God had been so faithful to them. You recall that recently I took as my subject from Joshua 24 and the verses where Joshua called the children of Israel to make a choice. Choose this day whom you will serve. And you might remember that the choice was this. Choose between the gods that are in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites or the Lord God who had delivered them from out of the land of Egypt. And let's be honest. With the text that I've just read there from Joshua 21, that, and we look back to what had happened, the choice was a no-brainer. It didn't even need thinking about. But it didn't seem to be quite that simple to the Israelites. And the reason I think is that they were fickle. And they were so easily swayed by whatever seemed to be the in thing for that particular moment. And I could enlarge on that. 
Because it's almost sad to say that we come to the church today, the church seems to be so easily swayed by what is the in thing today. And you find there are churches, they run after this, they run after that, they run after this, they run after that, because they think that they're running after the blessing of God. But the blessing of God is to be found in the place where he wants us to be. And so we don't need to be running after what other churches are doing. Because he's called us as a church here in Emmanuel, Gateshead, to be the church that he wants us to be here in this place. And we need to remain stable in that decision and in that choice to be what God wants us to be here in Gateshead. When we come to the children of Israel, you remember that what had happened when Moses had gone up to the mountain and he had met with God. <coughs> he was having a good time. And Moses was away longer from the children of Israel than what they anticipated or even themselves thought that he should have been. And because Moses was away for such a long time in the presence of God, they decided to do their own thing. And we see the account where Moses and where Aaron, who should have known better, called the people together and he said to them, get up and make us gods who will go before us. And so the account continues to say that they began to gather all their gold and they fashioned it in such a way that they made a golden calf. And then they made the statement, or Aaron made the statement, these are your gods, O Israel. And then he says something awful. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. What a terrible statement to be making. Especially because Aaron knew, and the people themselves knew, that it was the God of their fathers who had delivered them. And yet, how so easily they were swayed in a different direction. And so it's no wonder that God was angry with them. And as he spoke to Moses, he said this, these people have corrupted themselves. Look how quickly they have turned aside. And let's go to Exodus uh, chapter 32 and we'll read there what Moses said to them. Exodus 32 and verse 30. The next day, Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. I wonder what they thought. He'd been gone a long time. He'd come back. He'd seen what they'd done. And he says to them, I will go up to the Lord. I bet they thought, oh no, he's going to disappear again. But he had a purpose to go back. 
a reason to go back. He was angry with them. God was angry with them. You sinned a great sin. And now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sins. And verses 31 to 32 tells us that Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Isn't that amazing that Moses cared so much for the people of God? Not only did he go to intercede for them, but he said, God, if you're not willing, instead of blotting them out, blot me out of your book. Forgive them and let me take the punishment on their behalf. Isn't that a picture of what Jesus has done for us? We all deserve to be blotted out. But Jesus said, I'll take it. I'll take it on their behalf. And then we have the Lord's reply in verses 33 to 34. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Thank God Jesus was accepted on our behalf. And God is not going to blot us out. He's going to keep us as his children. But whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go lead the people to the place about which I've spoken to you. And behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. What a sad conclusion. They'd failed. They'd neglected God. They'd returned to their old ways. And God was going to come and to visit them. And in verse 35, we have the consequences. Then the Lord sent a plague on the people. Because they made the calf the one that Aaron made. Such a warning for us as the people of God, isn't it? Such a warning. We must remain faithful to him. Because if we don't remain faithful to him, God has the right to come and to punish us. And it's no wonder, isn't it, that God is angry with them. And it reminds me, as I read this story and pondered on it this week, it reminded me of the verse that says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 3, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And the NIV uses the word, it is a dreadful thing. The, the NET version says, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the of the living God. And this morning, think of the most terrifying thing that you have experienced and then multiply it a billion times and more and it will still not be as terrifying as it will be or would be to fall into the hands of the living God. And this is what the children of Israel were doing. Falling into the hands of of the living God despite all, everything that the Lord God had already done for them. 
I often mention that God is not finished with Israel. As some teach. It's going to come up in one of the devotions sometime over the next few days. Let me be clear this morning that the church has not replaced Israel. God still has a plan that is yet to be outworked and fulfilled for them as a nation and as a people. And despite the times and the many times, the number of times that they have failed as the people of God, their very existence today is testimony that God is still faithful toward them. The very fact that they've survived every onslaught of the enemy of their souls and of their enemies that have sought to destroy them from amongst the nations of the world is evidence of the faithfulness of and the promises of God toward them. And what was declared in Joshua, the verse that I've mentioned as my text today, still stands for the children of Israel. Not one word of all the good promises God has made will fail. And God will still fulfill all that he's promised for the people of Israel. But alongside this, that is God's continuing purpose from them, they are presented to us in scripture that we the church can learn from them. So many valuable lessons as we watch Israel and follow Israel that we the people of God, the church today can learn. And here we can learn from what I've shared already this morning that we need to be faithful and we need to remain faithful to the one who has called us out of darkness and into his kingdom. How terrifying, going back to that verse from Hebrews, how terrifying it will be for any who in this the day of grace have been committed at some time in the past to serve the Lord God and yet to renegade from it and to turn again to serve the foreign gods of this world even like they did in this example to build their own gods up and to worship them. How terrifying it will be. But when we consider the text that I've chosen for today, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel has failed, all came to pass. Based upon this alone, the choice that Joshua gave to the people of Israel in Joshua 24, as I've already said, should have been an easy, no-brainer choice. He's never failed us yet. We failed him, but he's kept on being faithful to us. So we will choose to serve the living God. Because God had been incredible towards them in his faithfulness and in his fulfilling of all that he had promised to them. So let's go back to that text. Note what the verse says. Not one word. One word needs to be underlined, it needs to be capitalised, it needs to be bold, to remind us today, in looking back to this story, not one word 
of all the good promises found, they all came to pass. Listen, when we take that verse and apply it today, you cannot have a better track record than that. You cannot have a better track record than that. Therefore, why would they, the children of Israel, turn aside to serve the gods who had a zero rating track record? And why would believers today? And coming to serve the true and the living God, decide for some reason to begin again to serve the gods of this world. See, concerning the foreign gods or the gods of this world, the man-made idols and everything else, they have eyes yet they cannot see, they have mouths but they cannot speak, they are utterly useless. Just as everything else will perish and decay with time, so will all of these gods. But our God, who is the God of Abraham, who is the God of Isaac, and who is the God of Israel, he is the true and the living God who knows no beginning nor ending. He always has been and always will be. He is invincible. He is unconquerable. He is all-powerful. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is a God who is bountiful and loving and he cares for all that he has created. He hears us. He watches us. He speaks to us. And what is more with all of these things, he is faithful. What a faithful God have I. And Lamentations 3, 22 to 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What a God. What a God. Who in his love and mercy has met us and saved us through what his son has done for us at Calvary. And so as Joshua 21, 45 stood for the children of Israel, so it stands for us, his people today, not one of his good promises that he has made will fail because he is an eternally faithful God. And today we have our assurance, not just on the evidence of his faithfulness to the children of Israel, but every promise that are ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians 1, 19-22 says this, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God, find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. As we've come to that place of salvation this morning, as we've come to know Jesus as our Saviour and as our Lord. He is our guarantee for us that the promises of God will all be fulfilled. Jesus has provided our way of escape. It is through Calvary and it is through his shed blood. Jesus has proven he is the way of escape. It is through the very fact that he was raised again on the third day. 
And Jesus is our priest because he's standing on our behalf even at this very moment in the presence of God on behalf of each one of us. And Jesus is our expectant promise. He said to the disciples and he says to each one of us this morning, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. We have all these wonderful promises and the one who has made them is faithful in every way. And we could spend time considering some of the promises. Peter says to us in his epistle, 1, 2 Peter 1 verse 4, that they are precious and they are great promises. Just think about that this morning. I've touched on it in, in the devotions in the past, but think about it this morning. The promises that God has made to each one of us, they are precious. They're more precious than any promise that any one of us can make towards each other. They're promise precious and they are great. This is our God. Our faithful God. I wonder, and this is probably towards the older generation, and I have to put myself into that bracket as well, how many had what we would call a promise box? Don't be shy. Put your hand up if you did. One, well, you're as old as me now. Two. <laughs> it's only two hands gone up. I know Elaine did. That's three. I didn't think she put her hand up, but she didn't. I didn't, didn't see it. But it was a little box that's about six inches by about four inches, maybe one and a half to two inches tall. And inside that little box, there were little strips of paper that were all rolled up. And written on each of those strips of paper was a promise from the Word of God. And if you wanted to, you could open the box one each day and you could pick out one of those strips of paper, you could unroll it and you could read a promise for that day. A box filled with the promises of God. Well, only a few seem to have them. Whether you had them or not, it doesn't matter. Because each one of us, I trust, has got a book that is filled with the promises of God. And just as we would have dipped in that box to take out a promise, we need to dip into the book every day. We need to spend time. And I'm going to re-echo it again because I think it's far better to have a physical Bible. I don't mind reading on an iPad and an iPhone. I do myself as well. But a physical Bible is far more uh, better for us to dip into and to read and to navigate and to discover the promises that God had for each one of us. Now, this is my inhaler here. This is the air I breathe. <laughs> yeah. And I just made one of those little... I've put it in there to try not to squash it. I just made one of those little things that said, this is what they were like. A little piece of paper like that and a promise on there. The first hand up from those that are under 60. First hand up from the 60s can come and claim this one. Don't be shy, give it a try. Okay, I'm going to have to go up the ages. Quickly. <coughs> well, your wife is prompting you. 
I'll give it to your wife. Shut your mouth. Read what it says. Proverbs 36. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. Isn't that a wonderful keeper? Isn't that a wonderful promise? That if we're willing to acknowledge God in all our ways, he might, he may, no, he will. He will direct our paths. And so if we find it we're going a little bit wayward, then we're not acknowledging him in all our ways. The promises of God are so wonderful. You know with those promise boxes, you can pick one up and you didn't like it, you put it back in and try another one. <laughs> and the children of Israel have become like that, haven't they? They'd had all these wonderful promises, but if they didn't like one of them, they would divert away from it and hope to get another one. There's a song we sing that says this, every promise in this book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line, on his promises we can depend. Every promise in this book is mine. My intention's not really been to speak so much about the promises, listing them, but rather to encourage us this morning. To encourage each one of us that we can depend upon God. And I feel I need to re-echo that this morning so strongly. Listen, every one of you, whatever your circumstances, wherever you're going through at this moment, even if there seems at this moment to be a cloud of despair that's come upon you, or you quite, quite understand the way that you need to take, in all your ways acknowledge Him. He will direct your paths. You can depend upon God. We can depend upon him for every minute details of our lives. For because of his promises towards us, and because of his faithfulness towards us, we can know with, re uh, with assurance, underline it again, that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. In the English Standard Version, there's a footnote to that verse that says, God works in all things for the good. And even if the things that we're going through don't seem very pleasant, they don't seem very nice, it seems hard, it seems difficult, and we're struggling, we feel like we're groping in the dark, God is with us. And as we keep on acknowledging him, he will bring us through. And God will be working in it all for the good of his will and his purpose for each one of us. He is a faithful God. Perpetually faithful God. He never fails. He cannot fail. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, you can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I know that his promises will never fail. And you need to reassure yourselves that, that this morning. That because he lives, his promises will never fail. He's got your life in his hands. God knows exactly what he is doing. He asks that we acknowledge him 
in all of our ways and he will direct our paths one of the more modern songs has the chorus you are the way maker the miracle worker the promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are you are way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are and you need to declare that this morning if you're feeling despondent get out of that despondency and claim it this morning this is who you are god this is what you are god you are my way maker you are my miracle worker you are my promise keeper you are my light in the darkness and i'm going to trust you and i'm going to trust in you alone see the children of israel had seen and they'd known the lord god as their way maker imagine the scene as he caused the sea to part before them wow you're my way maker they'd also known him as their miracle worker imagine all the miraculous encounters that they'd received and they'd also known him as their promise keeper and they'd also known him as the light in their darkness as he led them by the pillar of fire and yet despite it all how fickle they were how fickle they were may God this morning help each one of us to remain faithful to him let's ensure that we don't gather gold to build up our own gods let's make sure that we're not fickle in our faith let's make sure that we don't dither from the left and to the right but we stay on the course and to rest in him and to trust in his faithfulness and today as i've already said you may be going through a situation in which you are struggling it may be someone is here this morning that you're even clinging on to put it this way by the edge of your fingertips onto the promises of God. Someone may even be close to letting go. Your circumstances causing you to doubt something of the faithfulness of God. Well, I'm going to leave you with the words of a song by Jason Crabb. And it says this. He knows. He knows what he is doing. Rest in that this morning. Rest in that this morning. He knows. God knows what he is doing. And the song, I've just taken some words out of it, says this. Our God. He knows what he's doing. He's never failed us before. He has shown us his goodness. His love will endure. His ways are higher than our own. Whatever the road, whatever the road. If I had it my way, I'll take this from you. But God, he knows what he is doing and one day we will see one day we will find all the answers to the questions why we have to believe that God he knows what he's doing yes our God he knows what he's doing so keep holding on keep on holding on keep trusting for this thing is sure God is faithful 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9 says God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3 but the Lord is faithful he will establish you and guard you against the evil one 
1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape what a God you give us the way of escape that you may be able to endure it and Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 know therefore that the Lord your God is God the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations what a God what a God and not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed all all came to pass in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight direct whichever version you want to use your path so what was the word that dropped in my spirit last Sunday morning it was just simply the word promise promise cling on to hold on to promises of God because not one word will fail